How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, I'm hanging out with Clint Neesmith. Neesmith. Neesmith, uh, who is the CEO of the Resource uh, Development Group. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. So tell me what it is that your organization does. Sure, we're a very niched organization. Um, We only work with chambers of commerce and economic development organizations around the country Mm -hmm. to help them with their economic development fundraising. Uh, And what that funds for them can be, it's usually something along the lines of job creation, business retention and expansion, business attraction, marketing, DE&I, talent development, talent attraction, anything that has to do with advancing the economy or working on community advancement work, we typically get involved in. That's awesome. So, you know, one of the things that kind of like stood out to me about what it is that you've done is, you know, you're able to go into communities and really start this grassroots type uh, movement, which helps improve the communities overall. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a ton of like communities out there that need that specific function. So, you know, like, you know, one of the things that I have a question about is how did you end up in this specific space, right? Like where, what kind of like compelled you? What is kind of like the backstory? Yeah, sure. It's, it's kind of a fun backstory. So back whenever I was in high school and I went to Statesboro High, okay. um, I thought I was going to be an architect. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. And, uh, and then uh, ultimately though decided that wasn't my path, but I was going to be a building construction major at Georgia Southern Understood. and started going down that path and even declared going into, uh, going into Southern as a freshman. Um, figured out as many of us do <laughs> once we're in college, that that probably wasn't my my future. Gotcha. And uh, ultimately decided to become a political science major. Okay. After taking an amazing class from Deborah Sabia. Okay. And um, that ultimately led me to, okay, I want to be a political science major, but what can I do with that? Mm. Political fundraising is sort of where I was... Ended I, up. Yeah, I, well, that's where I thought I was going to end Okay, up. got you. Ultimately, where, where that led up after graduation was trying to find a fundraising job. And my first, and the job I got hired for was at the Metro Atlanta Chamber, uh, working with the two consultants that founded this company um, as their campaign coordinator, essentially. Uh-huh. And they hired me. Uh, on the team after that project was done. Got you. How long was that project? It was only a year. It was only a year? It was only a year. And so, like, you know, this is is stuff that I I have no clue about. So, like, you know, how does one get into that position of, like, fundraising, uh, political (laughs) fundraising? Like, you know, what kind of, like, churned that? Yeah, well, you know, whenever I was in, uh, when I was in college, I started volunteering for every political campaign I could possibly volunteer for in the region. Okay. And, And that led me to organizing a fundraising campaign for one of the candidates I had worked with. Okay. Um, Rosemary Kazans, as a matter of fact, okay. uh, to be very specific. And um, I thought, oh, wait, you know, if I'm raising money for a candidate, there's money coming in the door. That means they'll have money to pay me. Uh-huh. So rather than be like a political consultant, I'm going to go and be a political fundraiser. Uh-huh. And then uh, and then I also ended up being a, a student worker at the Georgia Southern University, University Foundation, which was a lot of grunt work, but it was very valuable. And uh-huh. so I was, but I knew I was definitely going in the fundraising uh, realm. And then I worked with a headhunter in Atlanta. Uh, and they were tied into the Metro Atlanta Chamber, and that's when they connected me to this Ford Atlanta fundraising campaign job opening. And uh-huh. 
the rest was history. Awesome. Awesome. So you, you got connected with them. You started yes. kind of like working with them. And then how did you fall into kind of like this? Or like they, they had already started this group. They right. had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. RDG was founded in 1995. So they had, they, okay. they had, and I graduated from Southern in 99. So uh-huh. just to kind of, you know, uh, give you a, a sense of that timing. Uh, so so the, the Metro Atlanta Chambers Forward Atlanta campaign is the longest running economic development campaign in the country. It actually has its, wow. its roots back in the 20s. Okay. And um, it hasn't gone on consistently throughout that entire time, but it, it is definitely the oldest. And um, our firm, even before I was with it, had long worked for the Metro Atlanta Chamber on their Ford Atlanta Special Fund, Economic Development Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was essentially the secretary of, of Rob, and, Rob Radcliffe and Mike Trubiano uh-huh. on the company. And literally about halfway through that, uh, that uh, campaign, they pulled me into a conference room in the chamber and said, hey, what do you want to do after this? Uh-huh. And I said, I'm going to do what you guys do. Uh-huh. I said, great, you're hired. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. Did you did you have any like you know qu- there was I guess there was a moment in your mind that that wasn't what you were going to do? No, it seemed pretty fun and sexy, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, for, from a, from a job from a career stamp standpoint, and uh, I, and it's probably one of the most interesting jobs I could have ever possibly landed in. So let's dive into that. Yes. What makes it so interesting? Well, you know, everybody looks or hopes at least for in their career that they're going to be doing something where they can truly see value beyond a paycheck, right? And I, I too, look for that. And this job, while I can't measure it, I know that because of what I'm raising money for, mm-hmm. that I'm impacting literally potentially millions of people across the country in the different communities that we work in because we do tend to work in the major metros with the regional entities and you know when it's when you're raising money for for job creation and you're raising money for talent development and uh uh community improvement type things Mm -hmm. it's that's really rewarding Mm -hmm. to me and and then you combine that with the sorts of people that i get to interact with and the folks i've met uh, just over my 20 year mm-hmm. history of doing this, mm-hmm. uh, you just, you just can't beat it. I mean, I would say pre COVID <laughs> whenever all the travels were to stop for a little <laughs> while, I, all my friends lived elsewhere. Sure. And, and, uh, it wasn't until I got to spend a fair amount of time here over the last two and a half years that I really kind of developed a more, uh, uh, uh central uh, ro- like, robust yeah. friend okay. group locally. Uh-huh. Um, but just some of the some of the best CEOs mm-hmm. in the in the country, I get to work really really closely with, mm-hmm. and uh, you just you just can't beat that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you know, let's talk about like a few specifics, right? Like we've kind of like have this top uh, top down view of kind of like you know things that you do, things that well, why you do it, mm-hmm. right? So you know, what's been kind of like one of the most rewarding experiences for you, like you know, during this career that you've had yeah. working with kind of like you know economies. It, Sure. Essentially, right? Sure, right, right, right. So I would have to go. That's a really interesting question. I could go a number of different directions okay. with it, but I think I would have to start with Jacksonville. Wow. So, so okay. So obviously a, a, a major metro, very close to states. Haven't heard the best things about Jacksonville. I don't know if it's still it's still the same uh, case, but there's sometimes like you know it doesn't have the best reputation. So I, I got to tell you that's changing. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and has changed a lot. So I have worked with the Jacks USA partnership, which is which is their seven region economic development 
uh, organization. Okay. So it's actually headquartered within the or or under the chamber, Jacksonville Chamber umbrella. But they're they they're the economic development arm of the chamber. And um, I've worked with them now for five different engagements, starting back when I was like 26 <laughs> years old. A lot old, of history there. And I'm 44 now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you, you got to think. I mean, Jacksonville has, has really evolved over okay. the course of that 20-year period from a port that was really suffering to trying to get out of um, more of a basic manufacturing sort of economy yep. to where they are today. And and where they are today, as I've been able to, to witness it and watch our client be on the front lines of it, is they are the emerging financial services uh, sector uh, market in the, in the on the East Coast. Okay. Matter of fact, there's even a trading floor in Jacksonville. Were it's you crazy. aware of that? Yeah, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> is that how how recent was that that got? Uh, that has that has come in within probably the last five years. It's crazy. Um, you've got they're also the headquarters really for fintech, and obviously as an entrepreneur, a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to you will be very familiar with fintech funding. Yep. That is the fintech headquarters of the world right now with FS and FS and FIS Investments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's really. Um, amazing what the financial services sector has done there. And that, that didn't really exist when I first started working with them. Mm-hmm. You also look at their healthcare sector. Sure. And you've got, obviously, you've got Mayo down there. And as, but as, as over time, uh, you've seen these hospitals begin to work together on different things. And what you're about to see is a, I think, if, I, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, yeah. a, a almost um, uh, Houston-like Healthcare what? model. That's crazy. Um, as they as as they really finally begin to not just convene to talk about how things are going, but really convene to talk about research and partnering and trying to do some really amazing things down there. So you know the question that that begs to be asked is like, how did it get to that point? Because you know back in the day when you mm-hmm. think about Jacksonville, it was not a center of Anything actually. Right. It was more of like, you know, this uh, maybe potentially impoverished area that had a lot of difficulty kind of like, you know, maintaining like its true identity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're telling me that you are the organization that kind of like helped guide maybe some of those things to happen. So the question that I would have is how? Yeah. So, so our work now, and, and to be clear, our organization helped fund the work that made the strat that helped, helped to, to implement the strategy okay. completely. Okay. Um, and, uh, so basically, our clients usually go through, particularly our major metro clients, tend to go through a strategic planning process every three to five years. Gotcha. And and that is always very forward thinking. And then we come in and we we will uh, uh, raise the money from the private sector and the public sector to fund that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but but those strategies evolved over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's you know what what is the it's just like if you did one on Statesboro you know what are our strengths what are what are our weaknesses sure. how do we take advantage of our advantage of our strengths and how do we address our weaknesses. Sure. Same thing with every with every market that we work in. And uh, just we've helped to work with the private sector and our client to drive that work mm-hmm. ahead even even though our our role is more niche from a from a funding fundraising standpoint. Um, the uh, you know so I, I'll, I'll give you another one um, uh-huh. that uh, we it's actually a market we don't work in because Nashville actually raises their own money but okay. I think this is also important to to think about and that would be obviously talent is on the minds of everybody right now nobody has enough of it sure um, and Nashville fifteen years ago 
um, had a, had a crisis. Mm. There, uh, the state was about to take over the Nashville County high schools, um, all of them, because their graduation rate was absolutely abysmal. I think it was mm-hmm. like 52%. Sure. And kind of in a Hail Mary, last second Hail Mary, uh, you had uh, the uh, chamber, the uh, K-12 through uh, education system, you had higher ed, you had certainly the private sector as part of the chamber, and the Ford Foundation uh, come together to create a career academy model, mm. um, which is basically forced not forced, but it's designed to to make every high school kid going into any Nashville high school uh, go into a career academy uh, pillar. Okay. And, and all of their classes are taught to them, to the kids from whatever that career academy um, uh, focus is. So if you're in a construction career academy, then like if you're in geometry class, they're going to talk to you about geometry from a standpoint of construction. Understood. Um, so um, but now they've been doing it long enough where there's a reason why Nashville is one of the strongest economies in the country. And that is because they probably have the strongest pipeline of workers coming out of their so they're fixing the system. education system you to it. create these like you know valuable and potentially employees or whatever it is you, you got it you've got you've got these kids that are coming out of high school now many with certifications already connected to companies that are probably started their their post secondary education whatever that might be um, and they're getting snatched right up yeah and so uh, in a market, it helps the economy just continue move well and what that does that 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 helps to to raise up folks that are maybe not maybe that they didn't didn't grow up in a family that had any sort of college or or post-secondary education and suddenly they probably are yeah and that that changes generations Mm. that changes the economy um i mean it is you know it doesn't happen overnight but 15 years also can go by in a hurry. That's right. And, and that's truly what they've accomplished. So there. education is one of those pieces that mm-hmm. I think is critical in trying to help a community grow. Right. You know, one of the questions I would have in here is you said, you mentioned this Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. How are these, you know, various different organizations? Because you threw out, I think you said Ford. Was that kind of like the part Ford of Foundation, that? yes. Yeah. So like, you know, it seems like there's all these different like organizations like coming together mm-hmm. to try to fix that problem you right? got it so like how how was that like yeah. did, were they just like oh my god we need to fix this mm-hmm. or how does that start well you know so so never let a good crisis go to waste right? okay but they had a crisis yes and and frequently our clients do go through crisis, crisis stage yeah <laughs> exactly and isn't that funny they, they don't actually do anything until the crisis <laughs> right. is actually when everything's broken then they come and Ex- ask for help right? exactly <laughs> exactly um but uh but but the but whether there's a there's a crisis or not okay um the central overarching sort of sort of theme that cuts through everything mm-hmm. is it is the the private sector coming together saying we're going to make something happen because we've got issues and we need to we need to address those mm-hmm. and you know we're going to work with whoever we think is the most uh, relevant organization for helping us address our problems which tends to be a chamber of commerce or an economic development organization mm-hmm to begin to drive this from almost a grassroots holistic standpoint. Understood. And, and you know, Nashville, I mean, Nashville would have never become the model, the number one model, in my opinion, for tackling workforce development if it had been a top-down. Mm-hmm. It had to be a bottom-up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, I, and I can point to, in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, you just think about 
what they have done to to improve their port or what they've done to to really push on this financial services sector or the healthcare sector, that was not a top-down thing. That is a bottom-up thing. Sure. We've realized what our strengths are. We know what our challenges are. We know what we need to do. So we're going to work together to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And whenever you can have a a group of if you a, a group of leaders yeah. come together and sort of collectively put their shoulder into something, mm-hmm. that's when big things can happen. Understood. And I don't care how big of a community you are or how small of a community you are, that can be the case in every single community. So the advice that I hear is how you make things happen, how you start this grassroots mm-hmm. thing, is by identifying. Is by doing, mm-hmm. is by, you know, start just going out and just starting. Right? right. Because I think there's a lot of communities out there that struggle with certain aspects of their community. Right. I think that that's just, you know, overall. Yeah, right? we, all, we all have our problems. Right. right? We all exactly. have our issues. But, you know, how you change that from a perspective of an individual within an organization mm-hmm. or within a community is the question at hand, right? Right. So, you know, do you ever, like, you know, regardless of influence, like, you know, how... How does one put themselves in a position to become a leader mm-hmm. and start that grassroots type of like movement? Like, what right. have you seen? Is it the business owners? Yeah, it, it usually is the business okay. owners. It usually so is. Me. So <laughs> you <laughs> and me now. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. But it really is. It's all about talking to your your executive peer set, talking to public sector officials too that are that are um more inclined to do new things yeah um and and find existing organizations that are willing to sort of push the needle on things mm-hmm. so you know here we've we've got a, a a dynamic new leader at the statesboro bullock chamber of commerce yep. right and i know she's got a lot of great ideas yeah and and so i mean our chamber right now i think is a really ideal association here in our community to mm-hmm. begin to try to push some things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that we, you know, our, our challenge has always been in Statesboro that we, you know, we're, we're still a small town, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, we've got a 22,000 student research <laughs> sure. university, sure. You know, right, you know, right in the middle of us. We tend to think about, we've, we've, we need to keep doing things the way we've always done them. Mm. But, but I think what we're finding is that if we are willing to take a little bit of risk and do some things, that some pretty exciting developments can happen. Breaking and the mold. Breaking the mold. You got it. And, and you know, there, it's the old adage, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, nobody holds steady. Yeah. And, and you've got to be willing to keep pushing. Um, again, finding, finding, figuring out what your, your, your strengths are, your best opportunities are, working on those, but at the same time, looking at your challenges and trying to come up with solutions to that. Mm-hmm. And and if you can pull a group of people together to really focus on that, that's mm-hmm. when you can make a real big difference. Start making some magic happen. Exactly. How so uh let's take let's go through a little bit of, you know, your journey through all of this. Mm-hmm. Um and going back to that. So, you know, at some point you uh were working for this organization and you made the decision that hey, like was it just saying like, "Oh, you're the person?" Or how did that come about? 
How did you become CEO of that? Like, that's the question at hand. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, so you've almost had to go back for like five years. Okay. Or or maybe even longer than that, quite Uh honestly, because I've actually been a co-owner, a minority owner for about a decade. Sure. um, Within the company. And we're a small firm. Yeah. Um, I mean, like right now, there's, including the guys that I just bought out, there's uh, six of us. Okay. Um, And and there's a reason why we're small. um, Nimble. Which is a whole, well... And it's, that's a whole other podcast. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there next time. Yeah, next time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but but uh, I, you know, about ten years ago, uh, I said, "Hey, I, I need, I, I want to buy in." And I don't know, what, I don't know why I want to buy in, other than other than actually, other than we had just come out of the Great Recession, which of course was the scariest time of my entire career. When super intense, huh? super intense business basically went away for about eight months uh, because nobody nobody really knew what to do. Right? Yeah. And. Um, uh, but I, I said, listen, I, I, need, I want even more stability. I want to be an owner and became a minority owner. But then about five years ago, that's when uh, myself and our two majority owners really started saying, okay, what do we want this to do sure. to be? Because Rob and Mike are about 17 to 20 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we all had to get into a kind of a shared headspace. What, what did a buyout look like? For them, yeah. how did that match up in my mind to what I envisioned the buyout being? Um, I also had to figure out, okay, do I want to buy an existing company that's got an amazing reputation in the industry? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I not want to have that outlay of cash and just try to start at my own firm? Yeah. And so I had to weigh the plus pluses and minuses of that. Mm. Um, and, and, and then ultimately... We had, you know, Rob and Mike did a great job of beginning to position me as really the face of the organization at industry conferences. Mm-hmm. I was I was a part of just about every major pitch that the that the organ that our company made mm-hmm. to try to pick up business. So being exposed very uh, intentionally yep. um, to different aspects of the company that that historically, you know, they Rob were grooming Mike, you. You got it. You got it. <laughs> but then ultimately. We had to make the decision, and this actually came quicker than quicker than we thought. This is something COVID sped up this decision. Really, um, they were ready to once they start stopped traveling, they were ready to be done traveling for a lot, you know, yeah. for, for forever, basically. Um, and so that's when we had to figure out, okay, how do we fund it? And uh, as as you know, there's a variety of different ways you can you buy a business. Yeah. Um, but but ultimately, they decided that they wanted to uh, have all of their money up front. Yeah. And uh, the best way for me to do that is I don't have a large sum of money just sitting there waiting to be spent on sure. a company was to go through the SBA. Okay. And uh, and so we spent three months looking at potential bankers that could help us with the SBA process. Sure. And, uh, and then ultimately landed on uh, Ready, Ready Capital, uh, which is actually based out of New Jersey, not, okay. not local. I, I never would have thought I would have not worked with a local <laughs> company. I just, it's certainly where we started on <laughs> yeah. that front. But, but Ready Capital was uh, very used to working with firms like ours that don't have a lot of assets. Like we don't have a building you know, sure. that we can put up as collateral. You so know? What, what is the assets of the, of the, of the company? And the assets are the people. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and I mean that's basically sure. it. the assets are the people, um, in, in our in our P and L sheet. Yeah, <laughs> um, I bet they had a field day with that one. Well, right? the, you give them, you give them the information. They're like, what's going on? Well, here? that's why we ended up there. And actually, we were recommended to work with them gotcha. after about the third banker we had interacted with. 
uh, because they said, look, these guys are used to working with firms like yours. Gotcha. And um, so once we had that, uh, had them identified, then we spent the next three and a half months working through giving the SBA everything that they possibly could want, uh-huh. which I'm telling you right now, uh-huh. if you've never done it, it's the most frustrating experience of your life. <laughs> <laughs> what, make it, what, makes it, what makes it so hard? They, they want everything. And they want to be as protected as they can possibly be. So you have to, not only are you producing all these documents that show the history of, of finances, yeah. but you're having to get life insurance and you're having to get, um, you know, get, get them set up so that they can, you know, take a second out on your mortgage and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and so on and so forth. And it, it's just, it's just incessant. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll be in the middle of, of working on, you know, your day job. Sure. And then all of a sudden you get an email that says, hey, we need this, this, and this. And it's like, crap. Yeah. I, I got to stop and do that. Yeah. Um, but it just goes on and on. And just when you think you're done, you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and again, for us, it probably took us about three and a half months. That's probably about as fast as it could possibly go. Sure. Um, but, you know, I'm glad it was there. Yeah, because for a lot of folks, that's the only vehicle to, right. to fund a, a business buyout. Um, two would be, uh, I'm glad I did it just so that I can know what it's like. I mean, I talk about entrepreneurship all the time mm-hmm. whenever we are working with our clients, and actually having that personal experience of trying to get funding for a company is mm-hmm. is harder than it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that became very apparent, uh-huh. and it also became very apparent that to to buy a company, you have to have money, and not everybody can have money. Yep. And uh, at some, you have to have some level of buy-in, right? Because sure. they they require you to put in an injection of capital, but based off of, off of the uh, the purchase price, yeah, yeah, you got it. And not everybody <laughs> can do that. Yeah. And and so I have a new appreciation for that. I I get the jacket, you know, the club jacket. I you know uh-huh. I, I went to the SBA and I walked away with a company, um, but. Uh, uh, but boy, I never want to do it again. Yeah, never again. <laughs> never again. One, one time is enough. One time is enough. <laughs> so you know, in in that uh, what you were talking about, you mentioned something about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and I think that you know, as what your organization does, it works with a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask, like, you know, what does entrepreneurship mean to like a, a community? Like, where, like, what does that do for a community? Yeah, I, it's, it's always been important, mm-hmm. certainly. And and you look at the data coming out of the out of out of these COVID years, mm-hmm. where uh, you've got the Great Resignation. And what, what does the Great Resignation really mean? Well, it means a number of different things. But one of but one of them is there are more startups now than there have ever been. Ever. And um, when you when you think about the entrepreneurial spirit that that we tend to have here in the U.S., mm-hmm. and you think about the impact that innovation and sustainability are going to be having on our economies moving forward, and you mm-hmm. can, it's, it's almost going to be almost impossible to separate innovation and sustainability. I mean, think about a Tesla. Sure. I mean, that is innovation. That is sustainability. Tied in together. Tied in together, and everything in the ecosystem that it requires to make all that happen sure. is massive. Yeah. And, uh, or, and, or you think about healthcare yep. and how many little companies make up a, a healthcare ecosystem that ultimately lead to really big things. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're working in Philadelphia right now in mm-hmm. the Philadelphia chamber. You want to know where the COVID vaccines got their start? 
in Philadelphia. Wow. You want to see the ecosystem that they have built out? It's primarily little companies. Mm. And that that are that have they've got a great idea come, come, come together that come together you got it to 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 really feed into this mm-hmm. and and to make it all happen mm-hmm. and so so as we continue to see our economy evolve here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as important as entrepreneurship has always been mm-hmm. it's going to become even more important um, because that's it's going to be the innovation economies that are mm-hmm. going to be the the most. Um, the most productive economies mm-hmm. for for small communities. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes they're, and you know, just a just a general statement. But there's oftentimes because they're smaller, uh, because access to the capital is easier, right? Like mm-hmm. in these larger areas, because uh, access to capital is more difficult, right? They they are forced to work together, right? But in smaller communities, you can kind of like you know maneuver a little bit easier in order to achieve those things, mm-hmm. and everybody is kind of like on their own path, if you will, because they like they're are. building their own tribe. You know, how do you create a system that allows everybody to then come back together to achieve a specific like challenge in, yeah. in your hand? Because yeah. that that is really what will be powerful, right? Mm-hmm. If, if if everybody's working towards the same goal, then that goal doesn't seem as daunting anymore. Right. You got it. I'm, yeah. I, so so I'm gonna point you back to the same place I pointed you before. Yeah. A chamber of commerce or okay. an economic development organization is a great place to sort of pull that together. Our clients are repeatedly asked to basically map out the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Mm. And, you know, where are the funds? Where are the angel investors? Where are the people that are willing to provide cheap or free coaching services, sure. you know, for 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 an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Um and that's just kind of a baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you move into more along the lines of what, say, the Charleston Regional Development Alliance is doing, where they are actively recruiting um, companies uh, that invest capital uh, into the Charleston market. Mm-hmm. And they started that about five years ago and have managed to attract in a number of firms from other parts of the country that either have set up their headquarters in Charleston or they are, um, they've got, you know, uh, satellite offices, sure. um, where you are, uh, where you basically have the funders in the back, in the in the in the backyard, yeah. right? Or, and, and this isn't a small community at all, but you think about Atlanta. I mean, mm-hmm. as big as Atlanta is, they did not have a lot of capital for mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs available, and ultimately, I think it was Jeff Sprecher about 10 years ago. Is that who is that? He's the CEO of Intercontinental uh, Exchange. Okay, and. Uh, basically said, you know what, if we can't attract uh, uh, investment firms into the market, we're going to make our own fund. Mm -hmm. And they did. Mm. (laughs) They just did it themselves. And they just did it themselves. And, uh, you know, so so we talk about coming together and doing things. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. Just making that move. You just have to do it. You just have to, you have to have a champion. Mm-hmm. Or two, yeah, um, that can kind of pull everybody together and, and to make it happen. That's amazing. Well, thank you for the, everything that you do for the work that you kind of like put into like all these communities that you are a part of. How how big is your region? How like you know widespread are? You? I, I heard Philadelphia out there. Yeah, like, are you yeah. are you just across the nation? Yeah, we work across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, though uh, for most of our clients, or you can almost take a, draw a line uh, and te- Texas North, uh-huh. and then we primarily work from Texas east. Gotcha. 
watching. Only because most of us live on this side of the, all of us live on this side of the country. Understood. And um, that's not to say we don't go out west. Uh -huh. um, we've done some really cool projects in Vegas and San oh, Francisco cool. and uh -huh. Seattle and uh -huh. just places you just got to go because it's cool. Uh -huh. um, but uh, but no, but essentially the 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 country, the entire country is our is our oyster. Yeah. Um, and I and I'd say the entire world is our oyster except. We are the only ones, we're the only country that funds economic development the way that we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So. Uh, you know, my audience is mainly like business people. Mm -hmm. If there is kind of one word of advice that you would have for them. I would say this. It's really all about your team. Mm. And uh, the more you can make them feel appreciated, the more that you can... Uh, make them feel included in what's in, in, in what's going on in the company. I, I think the stronger team you're going to have, the more likely they are to stay with you. And and I'm hope hoping that that is what I can accomplish mm -hmm. as I take on this mantle um, with RDG of a CEO. Awesome, so. awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Thank you. That's the show. I enjoyed it. Awesome. <laughs>